There's a new music business for the 21st century, and now is the best time ever to be in the music business. Because of the new music business, the artist is in charge. My name's Rick Barker, and I've been blessed to make a living in the music business for almost 30 years. I'm a personal manager, author, speaker. Many know me as the manager who launched the career of Taylor Swift. But what I'm most proud of are the thousands of artists from around the world that I manage daily and help navigate this crazy business. This podcast is designed to keep you up to date with the changes in the business and to give you the mindset, tools, and resources that you need to succeed. Helping you navigate the music industry, here's Rick Barker with the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast. In this episode of the podcast, I'm going to uh, talk to you a little bit about my thoughts on Taylor Swift's new Netflix documentary, Miss Americana. I guess if I do a podcast, people will stop asking me what I thought about it. I, uh, I forgot it was even on. I was getting ready to go to an event in New Orleans, and my daughter was like, Dad, Mom and I started watching it, and uh, we saw a piece of your head. <laughs> I'm like, woo I made the documentary. But uh, what I wanted to talk about after watching it was I wanted to just share some things. First off, I thought it was brilliantly done. Uh, I love the fact, and Taylor's always been like this, that she's going to throw out what people are saying about her. Uh, she feeds off of it, actually. I mean, I, I think it's made her stronger. Uh, it's made her write better records. It's made her step up her game. It's always been like that from the time that I knew her. And for those of you that don't know my past involvement with Taylor, is I was blessed to have been her manager uh, for the first couple years of her career at Big Machine. Uh, my background is I had worked for Big Machine Records. My background before that was actually radio. I did radio for 15 years, created uh, a radio tour that actually got artists paid, helped launch you know some acts like Sugarland and Little Big Town, who went on to win Grammys through that tour, and uh, got me on the radar of Scott Borchetta. He hired me at Big Machine Records, and at that point, Taylor was still brand new. Uh, I share this on uh, one of my webinar trainings. What a lot of people don't understand, from like 12 to 16, her sole focus was on writing music. Her sole focus was on mastering her craft. That's why she is such, uh, that's one of the reasons, I can't say it's why the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why she's such a brilliant songwriter is she mastered her craft. She didn't go out and get caught up in anything else until she got the music right. She's always been, and I think this documentary shows that a lot. I loved how it stepped back in to the songwriting process. Uh, but one of the things that I really admired is the way that she stands up for what it is that she believes in, whether anyone else thinks it's right or wrong. The bottom line is this, folks. The only person that we have to go to bed with every night is ourselves. Too often, I think, we adjust ourselves to please other people. And I love the fact that she's never been like that. A um, couple things that I can share with you early on, you know, and Billboard magazines talked about this, Polestar magazines talked about this. I'll have links down inside the bio. But when Taylor and I got together, when she came out and we did this radio tour, one of the things I saw right away is that she wanted to learn. And I have I come from a coaching background as well. I've coached uh, at the Division One uh, men's level at UC Santa Barbara. I've also coached at the girls' high school level at Dos Pueblos High School, where Katy Perry went to high school. And I also coached at you know the AYSO level. So I've always had a coaching background. But she really wanted to learn. I wanted to teach. And one of the things that we decided early on 
was that if she wanted to get the results that no one else could get, that we needed to do the work that no one else was willing to do. And she was all in. She is a hard worker. She's also a smart worker. And some of the things that we did early on, I'll share some cool stories with you. I'm going to go deeper in a YouTube video at some time about sharing some stories that that I just haven't quite shared before. And, a lot, and no one, as far as I'm aware, has ever documented some of these stories. But I want to share some stories with you that I think will bring some light to when I hear people say that, you know, she only does things for the press. She only does things to get attention. It pains me because I watched her heart. I got to know her heart. I watched things that we didn't have all these cameras when her and I were together. We hell, we only had MySpace at the beginning. She did things because she cared. She did things with her fans because she cared, not because there were cameras watching or paparazzi. There wasn't any of that stuff. You know, I wasn't, I was with Taylor before the rest of the world knew her, you know, after Kanye, the rest of the world got to know Taylor Swift. So I want to talk to you about the Taylor Swift before that, that people seem to forget, you know, all these things that people are constantly bashing her about right now. You know what, guys, she was doing this way before the cameras ever came out. And I want to share that. I want to tell some stories and I'll leave some names and things out of that just to, uh, because some people may not want those stories uh, and their names in those stories, but I'm going to tell them. I, I am. It's like, it, it's about time uh, that, that, that the people heard what went on in the beginning. Everyone seems to know her uh, later on in her pop career. I'm going to talk to you about what took place with her country career and I, I've kind of digressed a little bit, but be on the lookout for that. If you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, go ahead and do that. It's going to be nuts. But one of the things I wanted to share with you was that early on is when Taylor decided that we had, and when we were able to get permission to sign autographs, she wanted, she asked, you know, somebody asked her, why did you choose Rick Barker as your manager? And she said, well, one, we were doing all the work ourselves. She said, two, as I told him, I wanted a gold record. And he said, great, let's go meet 500,000 people. I saw the power she had around her fans. I saw the way that people responded to her. So my thought process was, let's get her in front of as many people as possible. So when we were out on tour, we went and asked, can we have permission to sign autographs after? And they were shocked because a lot of artists hadn't really asked that. And I mean, we were doing meet and greets and signings for three, three and a half hours. You know, I, I remember the day that we had to stop because there were going to be more people upset than we were able to get to. And plus we had to get to the next venue and it, it, it hurt her, you know, it tore her up. She never wanted to disappoint her fans, uh, in any way, shape or form. So we started doing all these, uh, after show signings. And I remember Jason, her tour manager and myself would be bending over so she could autograph t-shirts on our back. And we were shooting the pictures and one night in Evansville, Indiana, uh, I, I always went, you know, to the security meetings. I always went ahead of time and said, listen, we're going to need this many people. We're going to sign. And if we're not going to get, you know, at least two hours, we would rather not do it because, oh no, you'll be fine. So all of a sudden we get up in Evansville, Indiana and people, they, they tried to shut us down in 20 minutes and there was this huge line. So we moved everyone outside 
and everybody aimed their cars over and turned on the lights so that we would have enough lights because the quality of the phones at that time weren't really good so that we could take pictures. But she wanted to make sure that everyone was taken care of. Another funny story, we were on radio tour in Fresno and we're at one of these outdoor shows and they were running late with sound check and they had everybody outside the gate. So they had all these vendors and there's, you know, the hamburgers and the beer and everything else. And an artist is sound checking. And I'm like, hey, can we open these gates so that we can get these people in here? They're stuck out there in the sun. And they're like, well, we're still in the middle of sound check. I'm like, yes, but they can see sound check. They're like 50 yards away. So I grabbed a security guard. I said, come on, Taylor and I are going to go out. And she wants to meet everybody that's out in the line and thank them for being patient and waiting. Now, these people didn't know who she was. She was the brand new act on the show. She walks out, makes all these friends, high fives them, takes pictures. We're selling, you know, eight by tens for five bucks. And then soon as the doors open, she's the first act. Everyone came to the front of the stage. Why? Because they wanted to support their friend. And then afterwards, they went over to the merchandise tent. And we just brought some some stuff that we had. We ended up outselling every single other artist on that show because of the relationship that she built. I tell all the artists that I work with right now, it's all about the relationship. You know, it's it's ROR, return on relationship, not return on investment. A lot of artists wouldn't even consider going out and meeting the fans before the show. That wasn't Taylor. I mean, I could go on and on, but bottom line is this. She's always cared for her fans. She's always put her fans first. She's always created the music for her fans, whether you like her music or not. Take a look at her business model. Take a look at her work work ethic. And take a look at the fact that she's consistently done it. The bigger she gets, the deeper it goes. Some people will do it till they get to a certain level. Taylor has always been this way. And watch out for the YouTube video. I'm going to share a story that will absolutely bring tears to your eyes. I, I, I still tear up every time I, I think about this story. It's something that happened in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And it absolutely changed the way I thought of her. I've always been a fan. I've always supported her. I've always defended her. But this event changed everything for me. And that's why when I see people go at her the way that they do, and that's just the internet today. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Anybody can hide behind a keyboard. Anybody can anonymous, whatever it is. But the fact that she's consistently stayed true to who she is and to her fans, I absolutely applaud her for that. And I can't wait to share this YouTube video with you guys. Speaking of share, let's jump into the questions. One of you took the time to ask a question. I want to answer that for you right now. Hey, how's it going, Rick? It's Pavellini, founder of the Pavellini Music, member of the Gator Boys Music Group. Um, I was just wondering, how do you properly promote a track or an album before you drop it? And after you drop it, you know, to get the most out of your tracks or albums. First off, thank you for taking the time to ask the question. And I love how you phrase this as what to do before releasing the song and what to do after releasing the song. A lot of people forget that the after is just important, especially 
since it's still new to the majority of the world. Here's what I want you to first understand. You're just releasing music. You're not releasing singles. What you want to make sure of before you release it is that your current fan base is excited about it, that they're ready to share. Uh, there are certain things that you can do now on Instagram where you can uh, you can do an Instagram story and you can put a countdown timer. And it could be as simple as you just saying how excited you are uh, about the new song that's coming out. Tell them a little bit about the song. If they want to, you know, to know when it hits the countdown timer, they can click on that to be reminded. After, once again, start encouraging your solid fans to start telling people how great it is, sharing it and things like that. What's great is I did two YouTube videos on this. I did a YouTube video for the five things to do before releasing a song and the five things to do after. So if you go to, you know, youtube.com slash Rick Barker music, you can find them there as well. Uh, but the key is getting your fans excited about it before getting your fans excited about it after putting out the imagery, putting out the story behind the song videos. There's just a lot of stuff that I, I won't be able to go into detail on this podcast, but it's a great segue to get you over to my YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash Rick Barker music. And you will always get this information inside the show notes at rickbarker.com. Just click on the podcast link. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast and thank you for the question. As you see, there is no one size fits all model with the music business, so I do appreciate that. To help you figure out where you are and where you want to get to, head on over to the website, rickparker.com and take the Are You Ready for a Manager assessment. While you're there, you can also click on the podcast link and leave a message. And who knows, maybe you'll be featured in an upcoming episode. If you know someone who can benefit from this, I would really love it. If you would give it a share, if you would subscribe it onto whatever platform that it is that you're listening to, and I will talk to you on the next episode. Ciao. You've been listening to the Music Industry Blueprint Podcast with Rick Barker. You can follow Rick on Twitter at Rick Barker Music. And remember, you don't drown by falling into the water, you drown by staying there.